Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of So Five Minutes Ago, the podcast where we do a deep dive on all the best teen movies from the 80s. We're your hosts, Kate and Shannon. And we are so excited to be doing this podcast. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you followed us here from My SoPod Life, our My So Called Life podcast, thank you so much. Our listeners are seriously the best. Seriously, I know. <laughs> We've really appreciated all your support for the uh, previous podcast. And then in starting this new one, it really means a lot to us. And we are so happy and honestly flattered that you want to delve into 80s movies with us. Mm. Uh, We look forward to talking with you about all the movies we're going to cover this season. And also, if you're new to us and here for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. What am I, a church pastor? (laughs) (laughs) If this is your first time here, don't feel obligated to give. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So this week we are totally excited to the max to be talking about Valley Girl. This is one of our favorite movies. Shannon and I watch this movie every summer, either together or separately. And I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think it's fair to say that we started this podcast so that we could talk about this movie. That is absolutely fair. (laughs) Like this was the impetus for this podcast. Yeah, Yeah. Even if there was nothing else, we would still make a podcast with one episode and it would be Valley Girl. It would be Valley Girl. Yeah. Um, So also stay tuned because at the end of this episode, we'll announce next week's movie. So if you want to watch along with us, we'll have all that info at the end. All right. Should we get into it? Yes, let's do this. Okay. Up top, let's start with some behind the scenes trivia about Valley Girl. This movie premiered in 1983. The script script was written in 10 days and loosely (laughs) based on Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Yeah. I see the star-crossed lover's premise, but there is way more of The Graduate uh, about this movie than Romeo and Juliet, and I have proof. Yep. (laughs) You have the receipts. (laughs) Michelle Pfeiffer was originally considered for the role of Julie. Um, And if you, like we, are wondering why Julie on the DVD cover looks nothing like Julie in the movie, it's because it's actress Tina the Barge, the the Burge, the Beerge. (laughs) I don't know who appears later in this movie. Yeah, it's been debated that the reason that Deborah Foreman didn't do the photo shoot for the poster may have been because the studio didn't want to pay her for her extra time. Um, (laughs) Because the budget was so low and most of the actors were newbies, the studio was trying to get as much out of them as possible. But Foreman was already an established actress, so she was used to actually, you know, getting paid for her work. (laughs) Hmm. How dare she? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Martha Coolidge, who directed the movie, wanted uh, the cast to be more diverse and pushed for one of the girls in the core group to be black. But the studio refused. Uh, So she said she did the best she could to diversify the actors under the circumstances. And I will say that, you know, party and crowd scenes are pretty diverse, which is more than can be said for a lot of teen movies at this time. Yeah, definitely. So she she did what she could. Um, Nicolas Cage ever the method actor (laughs) prepared for this role by living in his car in Hollywood, which must have been super convenient for the studio in a time before cell phones. Like how did they find him? Exactly. And how just, uh, just gross, just (laughs) like, Oh, no kidding. Sweaty car in eighties Hollywood. No, thank you. I know. Um, the studio also told Martha Coolidge uh, in no uncertain terms, by the way, that this movie was, meant to be an exploitation film geared Hmm. towards young men and that they wanted to see plenty of boobs, four pairs of boobs to be exact. So that's (laughs) eight total boobs. 
Um, and the studio was pleasantly surprised when she showed them the finished product uh, that it was an actual movie. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's look at her. Kind of like a um, female director made an actual movie with boobs. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. So she kind of like, you know, took the, I think the porkies bent that they wanted this movie to be and actually made lemonade out of lemons. I mean, <laughs> lemons. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, she, considering that those were the terms that she went into this movie, you know, with, she made a pretty amazing movie. Yeah. Like everything around the boobs is yes. a great movie. So <laughs> there is so much substance. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. So good job, Martha. Yeah. Okay. Without further ado, let's get into this movie. All right. So we open with an establishing, establishing shot showing Lake Hollywood, the Hollywood sign and the titular Valley. <laughs> titular. <laughs> lemons <laughs> to to orient listeners uh not from california or the la area the valley aka the san fernando valley is the area of la behind the hollywood hills where the hollywood sign is and it encompasses an entire area that includes cities such as glendale burbank northridge encino reseda sherman oaks van nuys just to name a few so so is it basically the suburbs of hollywood then i mean i guess okay. it's like I mean, geographically, there's like L.A. and then there's the Hollywood Hills. And then on the backside of the Hollywood mm. Hills starts a giant valley, which is the mm-hmm. San Fernando Valley, okay. which is hot as balls <laughs> in the summer. <laughs> All right. So after the flyover shot, we're inside the mall. We're supposed to believe this is the Sherman Oaks Galleria. But according to Internet sources, the filming location is actually the Del Almo Fashion Center in Torrance. Mm. Before we meet our star group of girls, can we talk about the absolute 80s aesthetic buffet that is this opening mall montage? Oh, my gosh. Antiquated technology aside, like mm, credit card slider. Mm -hmm. uh, This is just nothing but pastels and bangle bracelets and red saddle Oxford shoes. And so much clothing I would give all my money to own. There it's is glorious. It is. There is so much stuff, just racks and racks and shoes and accessories. And it's all like organic to the era, mm-hmm. which is so awesome. Yes. Uh, also buckle up because there's going to be a lot of fashion talk in this episode <laughs> and a lot of Shannon and I drooling over and coveting the wardrobe from this movie. So yeah, yeah. we'll also have lots of visuals for you on our Instagram at so five minutes ago pod. So you'll have to go check those out. No apologies for fashion talk. Yes, no. Or the deluge of visuals that we're going to dump into <laughs> that feed because it's going to be so fun. Yeah. All right, so now we're in the food court, which includes a Chick-fil-A. I had no idea it's been around this long, but apparently it opened in 1946, so shows what I know. I just saw that in the background, and I was like, Chick-fil-A? What is happening? I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, Oh, and it's time to meet our Valley Girls. Our main character is Julie, played by Deborah Foreman. She's been in some other TV and films, including Real Genius, but I think this is her only starring role, I think. Um, Her friends are Lauren played by E.G. Daly, who you would recognize as Dottie from Pee-wee's Big Adventure or the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. She's done a lot of voiceover work. Mm. Susie is played by Michelle uh, Myrink, who is uh, oh also known as Jordan, who's the main girl genius from Real Genius. So both uh, she and Julie have been in Real Genius. And finally, Stacy, played by Heidi Holliker, who doesn't have a ton of um, film and TV credits as an actress, but a ton as like um assistants and writers and that like behind the scenes kind of stuff also all these actresses apparently show up in the 
2020 Valley Girl reboot. <laughs> if you don't know about this absolutely egregious reboot, you should go watch the trailer because it is a crime. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it and I won't respond to it. <laughs> this movie is on my forever don't watch list. The trailer alone is insulting. It's just <laughs> 80s fluff. Um, and here's the thing. An 80s movie, any movie that was made in a particular era uh, that relies heavily on that era's culture, for that matter, mm-hmm. is never going to get better in a remake. The whole yeah. reason 80s movies are awesome is because they were written through the lens of the actual decade. Exactly. And this reboot is like, it looks like it was written by people who have never seen the 80s except through like pop culture yeah. references. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look authentically 80s at all. It's a musical. Uh. Yeah, you heard me. It's a <laughs> musical. Uh, I might have to watch this for a bad movie night. Uh, it's just... I just can't. I, there's no way I... It's... No. It is, it is yeah. fire. We don't touch it. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Julie, Lauren, Susie, and Stacy are all sitting around a table in the food court, and we get our first taste of the Valley Girl vernacular and our first sound clip. Like, start a family? Like... We gotta get all puffed out to the max and all for sure. How? Oh, God, Gasly, how could you? Sure. I'd be freaking good. Oh, look, I'd be scarfing up everything in sight. I'm sure, I don't know, you know, like, oh, I get so fat and all, and what happened to my zits and get so grody? And besides, it's totally gnarly birth control. so good eg daily Uh, really got that uh she really got that dialect down (laughs) she sold it uh julie's hair looks kind of like a mom haircut but also just like a typical 80s haircut it's like a feathered shoulder length situation but she's so adorable that i don't mind it Mm -hmm. no today that hair would be a tragedy i think (laughs) walking down the street but man in this scene on julie with her dimples it's completely acceptable yeah completely time appropriate Mm -hmm. Stacy's hair, on the other hand, in this scene <laughs> is bonkers. Um, from what I can tell, it's like short and curly on the top and then long and mullety in the back. It looks like she's wearing a curly toupee on top of long hair, but she's also wearing a denim vest with a bunch of pins, which is like a look that I rocked at this time. So I'll let the hair crime slide. Um, and also you can see in a close-up shot that her pins are miniature food items. Like one is a little package of Chips Ahoy cookies. Uh, so fun. <laughs> so cute. I love that. I mean, really all of their outfits are cute. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Just then a quote hot guy <laughs> <laughs> named Brad walks by and catches Julie's attention. Stacy says she can't believe Julie would even look at a guy like Brad since she's currently dating Tommy, who's apparently quote, Bitchin. <laughs> but Julie doesn't necessarily agree. Yeah, but Tommy could be such a dork, you know? Like, he's got the bod, but his brains are bad news. <laughs> he's got the bod, but his brains, brains are bad, bad news. news. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As the girls are leaving down the escalator, they pass Tommy and his striped shirt gang. <laughs> In typical teen movie fashion, Tommy looks 27 years old with a feathered blonde bowl cut, a popped collar polo shirt in the face of somebody whose privilege has empowered him to be a bully. Mm -hmm. Tommy is played by Michael Bowen, who you might recognize as the main neo-Nazi dude, Uncle Jack from Breaking Bad. Um, He actually has a ton of film credits and has gone on to do a bunch of stuff. 
Julie and her giant woody woodpecker brooch <laughs> tell Tommy that after two days of waiting around for his phone call, she's like totally not in love with him anymore and gives him back his bracelet. And that is that. The girls go from the mall to the beach where Lauren's hair looks effing amazing. Ugh. It's like the layered shag cut that everybody is, is trying to achieve today. Yes, it's incredible. It is. And I think now uh, is the perfect time for me to objectify E.G. Daly's body. I'll do it just this once, and I'm never going to mention it again, but just know that it stands throughout the entire movie. She and her high-on-the-hip bikini bottoms are perfect. Dude, uh, top to bottom in this scene, she is like, her makeup is awesome, her hair is awesome, her bathing suit's super cute, and yeah, her body's incredible. She's a specimen. I don't, uh, Mm -hmm. I would give anything to look like that. (laughs) (laughs) Then, now, anytime. (laughs) While standing in line for the snack shack, she invites another girl to a party at Susie's that night, reciting her full flippin' address in earshot of strangers. (laughs) When she turns around to see some dude eavesdropping on their convo. Back on the sand, the girls are checking out some guys when Stacy lowers her sunglasses to look at this total hunk running out of the water. Okay, so this hunk is Nicolas Cage. And look, I am a huge Nick Cage fan. Like, we both mm-hmm. are. And I think he's super cute in this movie. But this shot of him running, like, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be hot, but it is hilarious. <laughs> He's so tall and like lumbering and ungainly. He looks like if Sasquatch tried to run in sand (laughs) or like if a dad who used to swim in high school thought maybe he still had it, but has discovered that he does not and is winded and just like trying not to die as he flees from the sea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I agree Uh, with all of that, except that I think it may have been a deliberate choice by Nick Cage, um, just because his physical character acting is first rate. Um, yeah. Listeners, please go watch Vampire's Kiss immediately after this podcast. You will thank me later. Uh, his physical comedy is just second to none. It's it's so totally. good. But why would he choose this moment where he's supposed to be like this lumbering know. hunk or this like towering hunk to be like, like oafing through the sand? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it, it. Maybe it was just the sand. Maybe he had a really hard yeah. time getting. And they were like, look, we're losing. Hell. we're losing daylight that'll work like let's just keep it going so yeah Yeah, and and yes there will there will be a gif of this on instagram (laughs) all right and oh also a little behind the scenes here if you're wondering why he has such like an odd shaped like v-shaped chest hair patch it's because nick cage was so hairy that the director thought it made him look too old and so she asked him to shave his chest and that v of chest hair was the middle ground that they landed on (laughs) so That's what remains of his natural body hair. All right. So hunky Nick Cage's character is named Randy. And just then we see that the guy who was eavesdropping on the party convo is Randy's friend, Fred. While Fred tries to convince Randy to go to this party in the valley where there will be all kinds of hot babes, Randy looks away and notices Julie, who lowers her mirrored shades to make eye contact with him. Sultry. (laughs) Yeah, and just a note here, um, even on the beach, in the sand, in the middle of summer, Julie's skin is flawless. Oh my gosh, Deborah Foreman's skin is inhuman. Yeah. She she looks like a dark crystal gelfling, but somehow <laughs> with more internal glow, I do not understand I it. I don't either. I, and you know, I keep thinking, okay, it's just a combination of makeup and lighting, but I don't know because... 
achieving yeah. that look even now would be tough for a lot of actresses. No, she's like a like a makeup model, but doesn't need makeup. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. All right, so that night we're in Julie's bedroom where she and Stacy are getting ready for this big party at Susie's. Um, this is such a mark of youth. Like they went to the mall and then the beach and then a party all in one day. Mm. If I did even one of those things in a, day, in a day, I would need like the next two days to convalesce. <laughs> yeah, I have a one thing a day rule, that, which is exactly that. There's one thing. You do one thing. You can either run an errand or you can go put gas in your car or you can take your kid to your to her friend's house. But you cannot do all three of those things in one day. It's like how you were saying when you check out at Trader Joe's and they're like, any plans for today? And you're like, you're looking at this it. Is, this is it. Like, how, this is how, the who plan. could do more after this? I don't understand. Oh, my gosh. All right, so while they're getting ready, Stacy is wearing the most voluminous culottes you ever did see. She's wearing them with a lace-collared pink sweatshirt, pearls, black nylons, white ruffle socks, and black heels. Just like, mwah, chef's kiss 80s outfit. This outfit um, is like the outfit of my childhood dreams. <laughs> Julie is wearing a high collar Victorian style shirt with a million buttons down the front and at the cuffs uh, with dark jeans and red pumps. Okay, I didn't like Stacy's outfit here. It it's just too like little girl for me. So it's like you mm. said, it is it's the little girl outfit of your dreams, but I don't know, yes. you know, she's like 16. It's kind of a weird choice. Everything is like cotton. It's like the animals of teen wear. <laughs> it's so weird. Yes. <laughs> um <laughs> It feels like the point was to make her look more childish than Julie, maybe. Hmm. Um, I don't know, like the less cool friend or something. But Julie's shirt, on the other hand, which I clocked at having 7,000 buttons in my notes, <laughs> by the way, <laughs> is the first item of clothing that I want and would wear today. Um, hmm. Not that I'd have anywhere to wear it, but I would wear it to Target, maybe to buy birdseed or something. But it's <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it probably takes a good 15 minutes to get into but it's oh, yeah. super pretty. That's your shirt for the day. Yeah. If you're wearing <laughs> That's that my shirt. <laughs> one shirt for the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So on their way out the door, we meet Julie's hippie parents and it's established that Julie doesn't have a curfew because her parents want to give her all the space she needs. P.S. In real life, there is only a nine year difference between yeah. the actresses who play Julie and her mom. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Her mom looks great. Like she, I mean, both her parents do. Yeah. All right, so now we're at the party and we see Tommy and his friends, one of which is dressed like a sexy cosplay version of Smee from Peter Pan. <laughs> yes, there will be a visual. No, I am not wrong. No, you're not. You're right. Um, the party is like a general gathering of Rich Valley kids. There's a lot of pastels and popped collars and windbreakers and sweater vests and boat shoes <laughs> <laughs> and 80s dancing. You know the kind I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, also fun to watch in the scene is to, uh, is to watch and notice how many background extras look straight in the camera because <laughs> there are many. <laughs> um, on like my fifth watch uh, recently, I was not looking at the TV. And so you know how you tend to pick up more sounds yes. when you're not watching? I don't know if you noticed or not, but you can hear, I think it must be the director or one of the producers or something from behind the camera going, okay, party, smile. Look over here. Yeah. Wait, are you being serious? Yes. It's, what? Yeah, it's really faint. But because I wasn't watching, I picked up on it. It's crazy. Like, they just forgot to take Whoa. that out, I think. They forgot to take that track out. 
Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to rewatch it. That's so fun. <laughs> Such a fun catch. Um, okay, so Julie approaches Brad, the guy that she saw at the mall, and tries to make small talk, but he blows her off. And Tommy comes over and tells Julie she'll be back, and she's like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> Uh, Tommy goes over to his friends and takes a drink and then does this like very weird hand gesture <laughs> to show how cool he is or how strong the drink is. It was weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll cut a gif of it oh, and, yeah. and post it. I have no idea what this thing is. Um, I know it's a favorite of your husband's every time we watch this movie. <laughs> Susie's in the kitchen with her dad and her stepmom making sushi for the party that includes peanut butter uh, help. I think maybe it's supposed to be uni because she later mentioned sea urchin, but it looks like straight up peanut butter. Either way, yarf, because <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, I swear they even mention it by name as peanut butter, because I was going to hmm. ask you about this. Since I grew up in the Northeast, we didn't do sushi in the 80s. And I thought maybe peanut butter sushi was like a milder kid friendly party version. No, I'm sh- I've been shaking my head okay. now since like halfway through. No, <laughs> no <such thing laughs> that can't peanut be. butter and sushi at all. I don't think I'm not a sushi eater. I asked my husband who is like a huge, like he's super into sushi. And he was like, no, like before I even oh. got through the question, he was like, nope, no, that's not a thing. Okay. So right. listeners Weird. weigh in, yeah. like we might have to put up a poll and ask people. <laughs> Maybe it was a thing in the eighties. I don't, I, yeah. Because you know, so. peanut sauce peanuts and that's what I was thinking yeah. I know there's peanut sauce and Thai cooking yeah. and stuff but like on sushi <laughs> yeah listeners help us also I like how normally in movies um like this the parents being at a party would be a total buzzkill but I like how here it's portrayed as normal and everybody's mm-hmm. super cool with it and the scene really put me at ease watching it it's like the kind of party that I would have loved to have yeah. gone to in high school um, it was like a bomb for the anxiety lingering from Rayanne's party on my so-called life uh-huh. where there were no parents and everything was insane. Out of control. This is yeah. like, yeah, this is like a party in high school. I would have been like, oh, the parents yeah. are here. I feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> Susie points out a boy that she likes named Skip to her stepmom and he walks over and introduces himself and asks Susie to dance. Uh, even in spite of her head to toe <laughs> warm up suit look, by the way. <laughs> this thing is. I don't I don't hate it, really? but it's not it's not because it's cute, it's because it's so much what it is. It's a, like it's it's a warm-up vest over a turtleneck and and matching warm-up pants. It's so weird. It's like And it's a, very color blocked. Yes. It looks like a it looks like a ski outfit. <laughs> or it looks like a sitting at home on a Sunday night not a party outfit. So weird. Yeah. It'll be yeah. in the visuals for sure. <laughs> Um, all right, so Tommy goes upstairs and runs into Lauren, who is wearing a red jumpsuit. I want this more than any other outfit in the movie. It's it's adorable. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hits on her and coaxes her into Susie's room where they make out on the bed. And she asks, what about Julie? And he says that she dumped him, so it's fine. <laughs> Just after some topless kissing. Um, that's two boobs <laughs> out of eight if you're keeping track. Okay, yeah, let's <laughs> let's keep it. Let's keep track. Boob watch. All right. <laughs> Uh, she asks if this means that they're going together now, and he says no, but that she's a pretty ca- crappy friend for hooking up with her best friend's ex, but he won't tell anyone if she won't. Mm-mm. Tommy is trash. Also, he's 30 years old. <laughs> and actually, like, I wrote that as a joke, but then I was curious, so I looked it up. This actor is straight up 30 years old in this movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have said 30, but wow, I guess that yep. that tracks. 
Um, yeah. In this, at the really at the very end of the scene here, Lauren has such a small line. Um, the door is closing behind Tommy as he leaves the room after telling her what a crappy friend she was, and she sort of whispers, "Get out!" with like a tremble yeah. in her voice. Yeah, and I feel like any other actor might have just thrown this line away, but uh, she nails it, and it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like she wants to get in the last word, but she yep. doesn't have the strength yep. to like like she's so hurt. It. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's really sad. <laughs> All right, so downstairs, Nick Cage and his friend, a.k.a. Randy and Fred, show up to the party. And when they walk in, it's clear that they are from the bad part of town, (laughs) as evidenced by the fact that they're the only ones not wearing pastel. And their new wave, like, post-punk look garners stares of disapprovement from the valley's upper crust. (laughs) And let me just touch really quickly on this punk rock versus preppy runner that's at the forefront of the movie here. I know it's supposed to be very obvious that Randy and Fred are punks from Hollywood, but when you see them mingling with the rest of the party guests in the scene, it's not as obvious as I think maybe it was meant to be. Yeah. I I don't know. Some of the preppy looks border on new wave even. And Randy's look just sort of falls on the other end of the new wave spectrum. Um, You know, I guess Fred has like, hair dye in his hair which is you know Mm -hmm. kind of more punk rock but I don't know I think the problem is that watching it through our current fashion lens um it looks like just all variations on 80s new wave but maybe in 83 Brandy and Fred look like street punks to these Val kids yeah that's what I have to assume because yeah seeing it now it's like they don't look that far off, but mm-hmm. when they walk in, it, it, everyone looks at them like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like the ho- homeless people just walked in and started hanging out. Yeah. It's yeah. Or, so, or like, like they're super freaky or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, okay. So just as they're getting ready to split, cause Randy is over it. Randy looks over and locks eyes with Julie and it is electric. You've got the eyes of a stranger. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. (laughs) It is. Oh, it's so, that scene is so charged. I love it. Yes. A little fun fact right here. Nicolas Cage said in an interview that he actually did have a crush on Deborah Foreman, who plays Julie, and he would write her poems, one of which she still has to this day. (laughs) My heart. (laughs) I love it. All right. So he walks over to say hi, and they have this exchange. What are you doing here? Well, it's a party. Yeah, I know it's a party, but who invited you? Oh, wow, uh, you mean you have to be invited? That explains it. What? Well, everyone is dressed for it. See, if I had been invited, I would have known this was a costume party. Right. <laughs> okay. Saw you once before, you know. Where? The beach. That was you? him <laughs> love it oh um all right so tommy comes downstairs and sees randy talking to julie and because tommy is a rich blonde a-hole a la johnny from the karate kid he walks up and punches randy in the face and throws him and fred out of the party outside randy stares longingly at julie through the window and says this that chick julie she's truly dazzling yep not one of ours because they truly are from two different households star-crossed lovers both alike in dignity (laughs) (sighs) 
So Randy and Fred take off, but they don't get far before Randy decides nobody has the right to see block him and they're going back to the party. They return to Susie's house and Randy crawls through the bathroom window and decides to hide out in the shower and wait for Julie. <laughs> and in the early version of the movie, um, Randy was crawling in the window to a Clash song, but the studio didn't want to shell out for the rights, so they used Minute Work instead, I guess. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that'll do. Also, while he's hiding in there, a couple comes in uh, for a topless makeout. So boob count four, if you're keeping <laughs> yeah. track. Also, this hiding out in the bathroom is such a bad plan. Like, I feel like you're just asking to inhale so many farts <laughs> that whole time. And then, like, also, what if Julie doesn't even go in there? Yeah. Then you're just stuck in there. Yeah, there's definitely a chance she's never going in the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, because there's just like a montage of all these different people coming in and he's getting so impatient. It's like, dude, you chose to wait in the bathroom of all places. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. But behold, Julie does finally come in. And instead of doing something embarrassing, like toot up the bathroom <laughs> or have her privacy violated by some dude lurking in the shower, she is surprised and delighted to see Randy. And he convinces her to leave the party with this pants melting line. I'll meet you out front. Wait a minute, where are we gonna go? I don't care. What are we gonna do? Anything. I mean, yeah, I would leave too. Uh -huh. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> let's go. What do we wanna do? Yeah. She agrees as long as she can bring her friend Stacy. And next thing we know, Julie is dragging a protesting Stacy out to the car to meet up with Randy and Fred for the four of them to drive off to Hollywood and to one of the most uncomfortable scenes <laughs> ever captured on film. Shannon, how would you describe what we're about to see? Oh boy. Um, it is a delicious melange of uh, a giddy boy showing his new girl around his stomping grounds mixed with Nick Cage's perfectly directed overacting and physical comedy. <laughs> Lay it out for us, Kate. Okay, I'm glad you painted it with that brush because it's like that's a very wholesome way of looking at it. I cannot watch this scene without cringing. Okay, so first of all, a song comes on the radio. They're all in the, in the convertible, like the guy, or uh, Randy and Julie in the front, and then Fred and Stacy in the back. And the song comes on the radio, and Randy says that he loves it. Stacy says that she, quote, hates this music. So you think that it's going to be like punk or new wave or something, but it's this totally innocuous dad rock. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if there was supposed to be another song there and they just couldn't get the rights or something. Yeah. But I looked into it and while there were issues with the soundtrack and the song credits and stuff, the original soundtrack featured different songs than what appears in the current version of the movie. But the only song on the original soundtrack that was replaced was that Clash song yeah. that you just mentioned. So I don't know what was supposed to be happening yeah, here. It was weird. The, the song cue was really weird. I just wonder if there was maybe a dust up between the director and the studio about how punk they were allowed to make the movie. Hmm. Um, because it was supposed to be like a blockbuster, like, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So they had to do more like uh, broad yeah. kind of popular but songs. Maybe it was just all about the money, too. Maybe. I mean, the budget was so small. Maybe they just didn't want to shell out for music rights. Yeah, I don't know, but like the song comes on and you're just like, this isn't that like offensive it's or like anything. It's like Kmart just... music. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyways, okay, so Randy is driving his convertible down Hollywood Boulevard, and there's approximately I don't know like 643 establishing shots of various <laughs> LA hotspots. So we understand they are not in the valley anymore. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> 
they've come to the seedy streets of Hollywood where ne'er-do-wells and breakdancers and punk music rockers <laughs> hang out. Okay, so now I guess, I guess what is about to happen to us <laughs> is to illustrate that Randy is a regular here, that he's like one of the common people and a fixture in unwashed Hollywood scenes and he accomplishes this by yelling random things at people as they drive by. And it is the cringiest thing I have ever seen. And I've seen Geely. Here we go. Hey, Harvey! Harvey! I thought you were going to get the mohawk! Nah, push down. I like this song. Good! bad it's pretty bad that's not even the whole thing like that was that was the clip like that i found the most but he says other stuff this goes on for a while all right so needless to say the girls are totally freaked out by all of this culture the foursome end up at this very basic bar show venue which is actually the viper room on sunset but the girls act like they're walking into a hostage situation (laughs) they're like holding hands and squealing and afraid to touch anything or anyone Stacy calls their trip to Hollywood, quote, slumming it, and the class divide is illuminated in this exchange. So what do you do over there that's hot? We go to normal parties. Go to normal places. We buy nice new clothes. It's no different from what we do. It's the way we do things that makes the difference. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, it's also kind of funny to see this valley versus city dynamic because now it's completely flipped where people in Hollywood and L.A. proper are like, yuck, the valley (laughs) or like, oh, you have to go all the way to the valley. Ew, why? And like, to be honest, I don't fully understand this valley hate, but these are things that I heard when I lived in L.A. And like I've been rewatching Fresh Prince and there's so many times that Hillary is like, oh, the valley. like. So it's super weird to see this thing yeah. where like the valley is the upper crust and they're like, ew, looking down their noses at Hollywood and LA. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. So then Julie says that she feels like she and Randy are linked somehow and they share intense eye contact and they kiss and it's flipping adorable. <laughs> <sighs> all right. They drive up to some makeout point, which is probably off Mulholland where Julie tells Randy um, her friends would like totally freak if she dated a boy outside of school. Then the sun is well up when Randy drops off Julie at home and she walks in to see her mom in pantyhose doing a spread eagle yoga question mark pose question mark. The cotton crotch liner of her pantyhose is completely visible along with her actual underwear. Like these are pantyhose, not tights, not yoga pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's doing like a plow move, like where you put your feet over your head, but her legs are like completely open. Oh my gosh. Uh, an argument ensues because while her parents don't give her any boundaries or restrictions, they also don't want to wait up for her all night uh, worrying about her. So like, which is it, hippie parents? Hey, parenting bees that way, man. You just, <laughs> you just got to go with the flow. Sometimes you're on the wrong side of it and you got to self-correct. Uh, I, I mean, they're officially Ned Flanders beatnik parents. Like they've tried nothing and they're all out of ideas. It's like, yeah. 
All right. So the next day, I think I have no idea. Um, Julie is in a head to toe egg yolk yellow ensemble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and is taking driver's training with her, with the three other gang girls in the backseat. Julie is barely paying attention to her driving while they recount what happened at the party the other night when Julie spills the beans about Randy. Who's Randy? He's the most awesome dude ever. Where was I when he was around? Yeah, like where were you? You don't mean that guy. What the conversation, girls? He's that guy from Hollywood. I mean, like he came back for Stacy and me and took us back over the hill. I mean, yeah. it was super time. I mean, like your party was super nice. Man, he's just like perpendicular, you know? Listen, he's Stacy. Die, Richmond. Straight down. No, you can't go through there. No, stop, stop, stop. He'll be in big trouble if this gets around. What if Tommy finds out? So what? Julie got a reputation to protect. Don't we all? trip <laughs> He is trip The door slam that you heard is the sound of the driving instructor bailing out of the car because Julie's driving was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next we're in Susie's backyard where her stepmom, Beth, is lounging by the pool in her shorts and pantyhose and open-toed high heels. <laughs> She's also wearing a look that Shannon and I are trying to master, yes. which is that long button-down blouse that's belted at the waist. Ugh. I want one of those so bad. It's just, I feel like the shirt has to be like twice your height to get it right because yeah. once you belt it, it gets short. But man, I keep seeing, especially on Supermarket Sweep, I keep seeing it. I know. I know. We got to figure this out. Yeah. We're going to make this happen. I have faith in us. Uh, just then a, a grocery delivery boy shows up at the back gate and it's Skip, Susie's crush from the party. Flirty talk ensues, and there's a graduate, quote, plastics mm-hmm. reference to cement the Mrs. Robinson vibes that Beth is telegraphing. But then it seems like maybe Skip isn't picking up what Beth's putting down, so she cuts the combo short, and he takes off to finish his delivery rounds. Yeah, I thought maybe uh, he did pick up on her implications, but he chickened out. Yeah, or is it, like, did he think that she was talking about Susie? Like, a scenario where they're having one conversation about two different things? Yeah, it's I don't know. it's not clear. There's a lot of this Skip, Beth, Susie thing that they don't, mm-hmm. they don't make very clear. So we're kind yeah. of on our own. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we're at Foods for Health, a health food store that Julie's parents own and operate and where she works. Her parents have a little back and forth conversation because her dad finally breaks his sandals that he's been wearing (laughs) since he bought them for Woodstock. And I got to say, I love their relationship. Like all their interactions are so cute. Like they have a good marriage. I love it. And when his shoe breaks, he goes, oh, there go the water buffaloes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Julie is behind the counter serving up yeast cakes or whatever when Randy saunters in. Oh, another (laughs) wonderful example of Nick Cage's physical comedy. So when Julie spots him, he's crouched down behind a pony wall, like peering at her. And I don't know why he chose to do that. I know. And he's not hidden. Like it looks like he's trying to hide, but he, you can see him completely. And then he kind of like sneaks out and saunters up. It's so cute. Um, Julie is totally humiliated to the max that Randy is there. But then Randy walks up and introduces himself to Julie's dad, who delivers like a cool guy handshake and is super cool. And I actually love what Randy is wearing here. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's like a button down blue plaid shirt tucked into black jeans with a belt with a giant buckle. <laughs> like it's skinny jeans and his kind of beetle boots. Like he looks really good. Yeah. 
Um, but his shirt is unbuttoned way past the sternum and his entire V-shaped chest pelt is on full display. And it's like in this establishment that serves food. Yeah, like, it's a lot of Button hair. it up. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks good. He looks good. Um, Randy is completely adorable, making sure that Julie didn't get in trouble for coming home late. She assures him that her parents are chill and takes off to hang out with Randy on account of her flexible work hours. Um, okay. And then we get the most completely charming montage of Randy and Julie going on dates and falling in love to the set to the song. I melt with you by modern English. Mm. And I think every single shot of this montage, either he or she is wearing an article of clothing that I would wear today. Mm -hmm. They're matching black leather jackets. Yes. Yes. So awesome. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) Um, I also think this whole part does a really good job of accurately capturing what it's like to like date and fall in love with somebody at this mm-hmm. age. It's it, cause it's not like all of a sudden it's, they, it shows them having conversations. It's really cute. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a lot of aesthetically pleasing shots of neon signs from various popular LA spots to show that they're spending equal date time mm-hmm. in both Hollywood and the Valley. So that's really cute. Yeah. Um, at one point, they kiss in front of a movie theater marquee displaying Romeo and Juliet. Cause see, I don't get it. Cause <laughs> uh, Tommy sees Julie and Randy being super cute together at a mall food court, and he is aghast. The scandal! <laughs> <laughs> a valley girl and a Hollywood boy. Will it last? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's. All right. Find so out. for, yeah. All right. Part two. Shannon's going to cover it, so take a chance. All right. So if you didn't already hate Tommy, get ready to love to hate him as we watch him expertly orchestrate the next several events. Okay, so back at school the next day, it's not exactly clear. Um, Tommy yeah. doesn't interfere with Julie's love life by planting a seed of doubt in the gang girls' minds about Julie's questionable choice of boyfriend. After he sees Julie and Randy on their date at the mall food court, Tommy tells Lauren, Stacy, and Susie that he still loves Julie and that her being with Randy will, quote, scar her for life. That's a bit much. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. That's, that's a heavy trip to lay on somebody. Yeah. Um, so then we smash cut to an underwear dance party <laughs> at Susie's house, which I love. Um, yep. And this has to be in the top five 80s movie tropes, right? Like, oh, yeah. along with kitchen lip syncing and food fights and all that stuff, just ladies dancing around in their underwear. Again, this was an exploitation film, so <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Shannon. I always have underwear dance parties with all my friends. Do you not? Uh, <laughs> also, I, mean, I feel like the scene, I feel like this whole scene just smells like perfume and Cheetos. <laughs> like, you can just smell it, like, wafting out of the screen. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so I don't necessarily think it adds anything to the scene to have all of the girls in their unmentionables, uh, but I do admire their matching panty cami ensembles. Yeah. They're really cute. Especially like the high cut, yes. super high cut briefs and stuff. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. So the real hero of this scene, though, is whoever decided to just put on music and let these girls dance however they wanted. Because <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that's obviously what happened. Um, and also the cute but weird Josie Cotton song that plays during their hangout. Um, yeah. But as perfect as the song is for the scene, I do have an upcoming gripe about Josie Cotton. And if you've seen the movie, I bet you know what it is. More on that later, though. <laughs> Whatever could it be? <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so Susie's little sister is hanging out with the big girls and accidentally bumps the record player during the dance party, skipping the record. She runs out of the room shrieking after Susie calls her a spaz. And friends, I have to get real vulnerable for a minute. <laughs> I feel for this little sister in this moment because even though I didn't have older siblings, I did have two older, infinitely cool cousins Mm -hmm. whom I idolized. And I was always so desperate to not seem awkward or dorky in front of them. And it all comes rushing back every time I watch the scene. So let me just collect myself (laughs) and soldier on. Um, Uh. So the sleepover conversation heads into boyfriend territory and the girls try to talk Julie out of dating a Hollywood guy. They cite reasons like having to take grody bus rides into Hollywood and Randy's black leather jacket, which rude. Um, Before Lauren tells Julie that she heard the air in Hollyweird is so bad that all the guys have small penises, which is (laughs) hilarious and would account for all the douchebaggery that lives in Hollywood. So point for Lauren. I mean, also point for them with the grody bus rides because public transit in L.A. is a nightmare. So they're not wrong. Um, This conversation also takes place while all the girls are trying on Susie's mom's laundry, which is weird. (laughs) (laughs) It also includes the phrase barf me out, which sounds like the most unsanitary sex act ever. (laughs) Like an urban dictionary entry. Gross. Okay. Well, I'm just saying (laughs) So Stacy jumps in and tells Julie that if she keeps dating Randy, she can, quote, kiss all the Val dudes goodbye. Uh, Julie seems surly, but acts like she's considering everything that the girls are saying while drawing on some pseudo adamant style punk makeup with an eyeliner pencil. Yes, I love that she does this because it's like it's part her rebelling against her friends and they're like Valley Girl ways and yeah. everything and part her trying on Randy's Hollywood style yeah. kind of. I, and I think this is really accurate. Like the way um, that you sort of adopt bits of style of the person you're dating, especially in high school. Oh, heck yeah. That's, yeah. That's... And so I just thought this was a super cute little like, I'm going to try this, you know, yeah. this little punk look on myself. Yeah. I mean, that's why I wore Timberlands and a choker <laughs> necklace. There's like so many things that I wore in high school that was because of who I was dating. So yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> true to life. Okay. So the phone rings and it's Skip. Uh, who seems to be calling for Susie's mom, though, right? So here's another one of those gray area things that I the the movie didn't make super clear, and I don't really understand. So, yeah, Skip seems bummed when Susie tells him that Beth's out on a date. Um, so the next day, question mark, um, Monster of Love plays a glorious. <laughs> don't music let it get me. <laughs> don't let it, let it get, get me. Get me. Uh, so Monster of Love plays as we watch Skip pull up to Susie's house on his 10 speed in his very best vest. Uh, he lets himself into the house. What? After no one answers the doorbell and then heads upstairs after no one answers his calls of hello. He follows. Creepy. The sa- I know. He follows the sound of running water into the master bathroom and sees a naked lady silhouetted behind the steamy shower door. Uh, so now we're at six boobs. Um, if you're keeping track. That's like the seventh nipple I've seen today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. So there he lurks, uh, lurid smile and all, as we cut back to Dupar's diner, where Julie and Lauren are having a Tommy Randy conversation that's just going in circles and frustrating everyone involved. Seriously. Um, Also, both their shirts that they're wearing would sell in Forever 21 right Uh now. 
Lauren is wearing a tank top with like slanted orange and red stripes. And then Julie has on a white t-shirt with cartoon lips, like lipstick lips drawn all over it. They're both really cute. These two girls, these actresses, characters, whatever, they were costumed the best. Like they got the, they Mm -hmm. got the top shelf stuff, I think, out of the costume department. I, I agree. So we cut back to Skip, uh, who is now rolling around in bed naked with the woman from the shower. But hold on a second. It's Susie, not Susie's mom. So I don't know what we're supposed to feel in this moment. Excited for Susie, bummed for Beth, who has, by the way, now walked in on them in her bed. (laughs) Um, I'm just glad that it's two teens getting busy for once instead of one teen getting (laughs) Statutorized, <laughs> statutoried. <laughs> um, now <Yeah>. we <laughs> we join a conversation between Julie and her dad in her living room. She's asking Steve for help with her boy problem, while Steve, in a stunning burnt orange sweater, does a yes. macrame project on his lap, which definitely doesn't work. <laughs> Not you would know. You cannot macrame <laughs> on your lap, people. You'll you'll just get frustrated. Um, Steve's playing therapist, though, and he does a great job of parenting here, I think, by asking Julie a lot of, like, leading questions about what's important to her. Um, Julie says she wants to be with Randy, but that it's a problem. Her dad shows her pictures of himself at the height of his hippie phase (laughs) to illustrate that clothes don't matter. It's what you stand for that counts. And he says something so incredibly poignant to our world today that I couldn't help but clip it. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but... You see, honey, there are lots of people out there who just ain't happy unless you live and think the same way they do. And if you don't... So he makes a slashing motion across his throat there at the end. Uh, In a perfect moment of teenage single-mindedness, Julie says she knows all about this stuff, but which one should she pick? Randy or Tommy? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kids, right? I know he makes this whole point. She's like, I know, but which one should I choose? And he's just like, uh, (laughs) and that's exactly what it's like. Um, so that night, Julie has restless sleep either because of the tough decision she has to make or because of the very uncomfortable looking porcelain clown doll. She's clutching. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I'm not scared of clowns. That's not my thing, but this thing is freaking horrifying. And like, also who sleeps with a porcelain face doll? How, how are you not in constant fear of uh, like severing an artery while you're sleeping? Yeah. Like you can just hear that face popping. Like if you put it, like you put your elbow through it in the middle of the night. I know not, not a, not a stuffed animal. So cuddly. (laughs) Uh, So she rolls over and pulls out a strip of photo booth pictures of Randy and smiles to herself. And I would pay Wall Street money to own that strip of pictures because Nick Cage is so adorable, even without his teeth being fixed. But actually, because his teeth aren't fixed, I think. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's so charming. He looks so cute. Uh, The next afternoon, the girls meet at Dupar's to bully Julie into breaking up with Randy. Julie tears up, saying that it's not fair that she has to choose between Randy and her friends. She says, Randy's totally special to me. And Stacy tells her, life's not fair. And I've never liked Stacy. Her friends suck in this scene. Mm -hmm. It, they're so mean to her. Yep. And when Julie tears up in the scene, it feels super real. I know. It feels authentic. It's heartbreaking because they're just like, 
they're totally taking what Tommy did, his seed of doubt that he planted, yeah. and they're just like bullying her into breaking. And it's like, why? She's being what attacked. difference does it yeah, make? It's terrible. Yes, it's oh, it's so sad. The gang encourages Julie to make up with Tommy, saying that he'll definitely take her back. Then Stacy says the quiet part out loud when she mentions <laughs> Tommy told us he still loves you a bunch, and Susie kicks her under the table. And just so we all get the complete picture, here comes Tommy from the shadows behind Julie. He makes eye contact with Stacy, and she gives him a nod like, it is done. Yes. So weird. It's like some mob business. Yeah. <laughs> so Tommy goobers up to the booth, and the gang makes an excuse to leave. He sits down next to Julie and immediately shackles her wrist with the same fugly bracelet that she already tried to give him back. This thing is giant, by the way. Yeah, and it makes a noise when it hits the table, too. Yeah, it's so jangly. Yeah. Um, so then he reaches over her to grab her burger and mash it into his big gob while saying, mm, good, <laughs> with his mouth full of food. <laughs> and I have to say, the acting choices that Deborah Foreman and Michael Bowman made here are just Mwah, another chef kiss because yeah. Bowen takes this giant sloppy bite out of the burger (laughs) and while he's savoring it foreman is just staring at him in awe and what seems like an unscripted like giggle laugh sort of escapes her while she watches him try to manage the huge amount of food in his mouth (laughs) it's really cute it is and yeah go ahead no i was gonna say it, it is and i like how at the end like at the very end of the scene, the last look on her face is like a, I've made a huge mistake <laughs> yes. kind of look. Yep. So it's, it, they do a really good job. Yeah, that was great. Um, because for as much real life chemistry as we know that Foreman and Cage had on the set, I also see it like the the camaraderie between Foreman and Bowen here. Mm-hmm. It just looks like they had a lot of fun shooting this scene, you know? Like yes. It wasn't, there wasn't like a ton of pressure. It was a low budget movie. So they probably all got along pretty well. That night, Randy shows up at Julie's door, all goofy and giddy. And one more time with feeling adorable. Adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so happy to see her ready to take her out. She tells him she can't go out with him and then starts crying. He's very tender and sweet until she gives him a big Harry and the Hendersons type of kiss off, (laughs) yelling about how he doesn't control her life and she can see whoever she wants. The Harry and the Hendersons, (laughs) that's a perfect description. Like, go on, get! I don't love you anymore! Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He knows the sudden change is because of her friends. And as he storms off, he has this amazing moment, which I would actually love to have as a t-shirt slogan, so... Maybe so five minutes ago should start a merch store? Uh, yeah. Now fuck off for sure. Like, totally. <laughs> uh, yes, let's put that on a shirt. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, and with that, Randy storms off. Uh, the scene is heartbreaking. It is. It really is. It's so true, though. <sighs> like, they just don't understand each other. So when we see him next, he's in the parking lot outside of Club Central or slash the Viper Room, drinking a bottle of something cheap out of a paper bag, obviously drunk. He staggers through the dark parking lot into the club where he runs into some butterface named Samantha who's giving off like ex-girlfriend vibes. I love her outfit, but this actress has a demon face. (laughs) (laughs) It is bad. And okay, so it might be the makeup because 
you know, it's like really severe diagonal (laughs) eyeshadow (laughs) and diagonal rouge. But yeah, it's bad. Uh, She got demon face. (laughs) Samantha rubs her elbow length gloved arms all (laughs) over him and they end up getting busy in the nasty club bathroom, which now I know this happens in real life. But I don't understand how horny that you'd have to be to like D down in a bathroom that smells like old tampons and BM. Even though <laughs> the bathroom's wallpaper is amazing, that doesn't seem like enough ambiance to make up for how sweaty and smelly it would be in there. And by the way, uh, with Samantha, we are now at eight boobs. Oh, good. They met their boob quota for the, <laughs> for the movie. I agree. I've never understood the whole like getting it on in the bathroom, mm-hmm. but especially this bathroom, like, oh, it just punk club. Like, oh, yeah. Like you can smell the bathroom yeah. just watching this scene. And then you're like kissing and breathing and your <laughs> mouth's open. Like, Bleh! no, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also uh, in terms of boob count, I think we're technically at nine because <laughs> there was a one boobed poster in Skip's bedroom when he was making that phone call. So, oh my gosh. yeah, I think we're technically at nine. I'm officially Brian keeping track of John Bender's detentions in the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> no, like, I'm uh, actually, no, sir, it's yeah, nine. <laughs> I'm glad for it. I'm, I'm, we, need to, uh, we need to have a real record of this. Yeah. Okay, Randy is obviously regretful of this rebound tryst and walk of shames it out of the club, leaving Samantha behind. And I wish I could say this is the last that we have to see of Samantha, but it's not because this is the actress that we see on the movie poster and the uh, DVD VHS packaging. Yeah, just with blonde hair. Yes, and yeah. less severe makeup. <laughs> <laughs> less demon face. Yeah. Now, this movie has become has some uh, amazing music cues, but we're not about to hear one of them. As Randy stumbles out of the club, we get to unfortunately hear A Million Miles Away again, which I'm assuming is sort of the movie's theme song, because we hear it a few times. Um, the producers originally wanted another Clash song here, but again, money talks, so we get the plimsolls instead. Womp. Yeah, I mean, I guess it works because it reminds him of Julie, because this was the song that was on when they kissed yeah. and everything, so I guess it works for that. Yeah. yeah. I just wish it was, I wish they had picked something better. <laughs> um, outside the club, Randy challenges a car full of Latino gang members to a fight. <laughs> And thankfully gets pulled into the alley by Fred, who just happened to show up in the nick of time. Randy Doesn't one of them get out with like a crowbar? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was about to get his ass handed to him. So thank God for Fred. Uh, yeah. uh, Randy proceeds to refund all that cheap wine into the alley while Fred tries to talk him into going after Julie by using, quote, romantic shit. So the next morning, Randy starts his streak of romance by jumping into the backseat of Julie's carpool, scaring the crap out of everyone and demanding to speak to Julie. Uh, She tells him to get out of the car. And to his credit, he listens to her. uh, And his win back the girl look here is truly inspired. And to be honest, Kate, I would. Uh, I would, too. Are you kidding? (laughs) Yeah, so the romance continues that night when Randy sends a song out to Julie, remember that, over some Valley radio station. Uh, And it's the same song that was playing at the party when they first spotted each other. So, you know. You got the eyes! (laughs) Romantic shit. Yeah. Uh, Then we head into a montage of Julie seeing Randy in various spots around the Valley. So he's the smart-mouthed ticket taker at the movies. Oh, bitch, is this in 3D? No, but your face is. 
sees the bumbling car hop at the burger joint. Uh, it appears as though you uh, forgot a french fries and a coke. Fish head. Oh, well, Peter Piper picked a pepper. I guess I did. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Oh, that's nuts. What a <laughs> They all laugh at the end of that scene, and I feel like it's the actors laughing at Nick Cage's performance. Oh, definitely. Like, it looks like they all crack up at his... <laughs> yeah, I noticed that, too. I, he spits his gum into Michael Bond's uh-huh. lap. <laughs> Uh, and then we see him do the creepiest thing of all, waking up in a sleeping bag on Julie's front lawn. <laughs> and where yeah. I used to think that this was a very sweet commitment to winning back his true love. I now have more of a parent of a daughter outlook on it. And I would for sure call the cops or I mean, at the very least, I would probably turn the hose on him. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that my dad would run out in his underwear and like (laughs) (laughs) tell him to leave. But actually, my dad was the type of person that would go out and have a heart to heart and be like, son, what's going on? And then by the end, the guy would be coming around to hang out with my dad instead of me. (laughs) Like, yeah, this is how my husband and my relationship started when we were in like ninth grade, I think like Josh would come to hang out with my dad oh. because they would play guitar together. And then eventually he started coming over to hang out with oh me. My so my dad was fully that kind of person. Oh, yeah. So he'd go out and be like, son, this is not the way to win my daughter's heart. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's talk about boundaries. Yeah. Um, we join Fred and Randy at the top of a hill. Now looking down into the Valley as Fred tells Randy that what he's doing isn't working and he needs a new plan. And then Nick Cage does the most non sequitur thing that he's done so far. He pulls a wowie whistle out of his shirt pocket and blows into it while the two friends stand staring over the bluff. Uh, I have a sound clip of it. <laughs> so. Lovely. It's not like a, it's not a good whistle. It's like a weird, windy, haunting. It's actually, (laughs) it's, it's made of wax. I looked it up. It was like a Halloween favor. So it's like wax lips, but it's a wax whistle. So weird. I don't know if that was his choice. If that was in the script. It's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, We drop in quickly now on Lauren and Stacy at the dance hall, decorating for prom to find out that Tommy has made hotel reservations for him and Julie for the night of the prom. So watch out, Julie. Wow. Pretty confident. Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> On the night of prom, Julie looks radiant in a white lace dress with baby's breath in her hair. And Tommy just looks like a tool in a pink tux. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like Tommy's pink tux look. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, he does look like a tool, but I kind of like his pink tux. The, the, like shade of pink that it yeah. is, the tone of pink or whatever. But the two of them do totally look like an eighties mom's formal living room threw up. Oh all over yeah. Them. Like it's, it's just ruffles and lace and pink and dusty rose. And it's all the it's things. It's everything you would think an eighties formal should be. So they mm-hmm. nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Steve, Julie's dad runs to the bathroom to smoke some jazz cabbage because he's having an existential <laughs> crisis about his little girl growing up. When he finally comes out with the camera, he takes a picture of Julie and Tommy with the lens cap on. So he's completely burnt. Um, The kids leave in a chauffeured limo and Julie's mom, Sarah, has a total burnout moment. Rubbing (laughs) 
This is so weird. So she's rubbing up on Steve's torso with her first with her hand, and then she kind of starts shaking him a little bit with her hands, like on aggressively. Him. Yes. Yeah, it is truly one of the most hilarious moments of the movie, and actually one that I reenact with my husband whenever our daughter leaves the house for a school dance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like she's like shaking him back and forth and she's just like, hey, you got any of that stuff for me? It's kind of like, well, you guys have obviously both been stuffing all night long. So, yeah, so crazy. Um, we now arrive at the prom just in time for the band to kick off their set. And it's Josie Cotton and the homophobes. I mean, oh, yeah. sorry, Josie Cotton and the party crashers. More on this in a minute. Uh, no, that's aptly. That's aptly. <laughs> Tommy and Julie arrive at the prom and we see that Randy and Fred are there dressed in their finest Holly weird tuxedos and Fred has a plan. Okay. So we go to the dance floor and poor Lauren is trying to hold off horny Arthur's attempts at leaving the dance to go have sex. And seriously, we're like 10 minutes into the dance at this point. Let a girl get some snacks, Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, no, you see all these decorations I spent days of my life doing? No, we're hanging out yeah. here. This this is what we're doing tonight. This is one thing, the one thing we're doing. You're looking at the plan. <laughs> <laughs> so then Josie Cotton launches into her not hit single, the incredibly problematic Johnny Are You Queer? Kate, any thoughts? <sighs> I I'd like to say it was a different time. I'd like to say it's kitsch. I'd like to say it just hasn't aged well. But like, I cannot imagine a time when the song was ever okay. Mm-hmm. D- definitely not okay to play at a high school <laughs> dance because it's not a song celebrating queer inclusiveness and identity. The lyrics are like, um, like Johnny, you don't like me and you're weird. So you must be queer. Mm-hmm. Like that literally, those are some of the lyrics and the backup singers do this really, you know, like fun and completely offensive limp yeah. wrist move. Like, nah, nope, no. <laughs> at least Josie Cotton is super terrible at lip syncing. <laughs> yeah, she, she's lip syncing both the leads and the backups. So not how that works. Yeah, and also it's one of those fun things where the song fades out, so she has yeah. to lip sync over the fade out. Yes. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> no, the song is like I, like I said, I would like to think that it's a time and a place, and it was, but I just can't imagine Mm-mm. that even then they were like, "This is a fun song I, I for teens." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that made it into the movie. It's it's truly bizarre, and I don't want to like get deep into the song lyrics, but you can look them up if you want to. Um, but yeah. I just wonder how this song was considered acceptable even in 83 which you know, I know. it was a different time whatever but some, not, not some this things, kind of different yeah, I don't think some things are still like we're all still human beings like what the heck yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. it turns out so uh, Fred's plan was just to show up at the dance and see where things went <laughs> so not a plan Fred. he's like this is the plan <laughs> yeah. you're looking at the plan <laughs> again yeah <laughs> Um, but Randy gets into it anyway, and the two high five and then speak in unison the very famous expression. So let's crush 
that fly. <laughs> okay, what does that even mean? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> Did they make that they up? They say it like it's a... <laughs> I don't know. They say it like it's a known thing. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just a thing they say. I, I don't know. It was probably one of those no things idea. where they're just like, oh, we're going to have a, there's going to be a, a motto from this movie and we're going to put it on all our merch that we're going to sell. Yeah. Like a catchphrase. Yeah. Let's crush that fly. Yeah. yeah. Although I think the catchphrase, well, I don't, I was going to say it gagged me with a spoon, but I know that this was also based on the, so Frank Zappa, somebody wrote the, oh, the, yeah. who wrote that original song, Valley Girl, and they wanted that song in the movie and to kind of collaborate with him. And he was like, I don't want anything to do yep. with this movie. So they kind of just made it aside. But a lot of things that he says in that song, they say in this movie as lines. Oh, um, I think I want to say barf me out is from his song, Wow! but all the stuff that's like gag me with a spoon and all that kind of like tripendicular might be from that song. Okay. Don't quote me on this stuff, but um, I didn't know that. I didn't know that there were lines from the, so now I understand why he sued them. Cause I, Saw yes. that he sued them, and I was like, "You can't. It's not like the the title isn't property, right?" But I get it now. Yeah, it, it wasn't just like a conceptual. Like they sold, they stole the concept. I think they actually used wow. lines from his song as dialogue. Okay. So my mom had a T-shirt that said "Gag Me with a Spoon." <laughs> There's a picture of her in, with it, like wearing it with a perm. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that I have. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the prom setting is the equivalent of the wedding scene in The Graduate, by the way. So this is another <laughs> yeah. little graduate Easter eggy thing. Just a vehicle for Randy to sweep in and save Julie from the regretful decision of attending prom with a wedding cake topper. Uh, Fred and Randy hide behind the stage curtain until Tommy and Julie uh, come backstage for the prom king and queen announcement. Fisticuffs ensue, Randy kicks Tommy in the jewels, and then takes Julie by the hand and heads to the food table where they start, what else? A food fight. Because 80s. Yeah. Also in typical 80s fashion, Tommy, like the king bully, knows karate. Yeah. Probably trains at the Cobra Kai dojo. That was a big time <laughs> 80s thing. Karate was Yep. super yeah. big in the 80s. Um, okay, so after the food fight, they or during the food fight, I should say, they run out to the parking lot and they jump in the car that Tommy hired and speed away into the valley night. We see them, uh, Randy and Julie, in the back of the car in a scene that plays beautiful homage to the graduate. Julie mm-hmm. tosses the bracelet out the window and the driver confirms that he's taking them to the Valley Sheraton. Randy mm-hmm. and Julie smile virginally as another glorious <laughs> music cue starts and we get a really weird beauty shot of the Sherman Oaks Galleria sign. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're like, get it, Sherman yeah. Oaks. That's where we're in the valley. So weird. Uh, and then we get one last shot of the two of them grinning and giggling in the back of the limo, which has turned Cinderella style from a Chrysler K car to a Lincoln Town car. Um, oh, it does? Yeah. It, so it goes oh, from the goodness. cheapy car that Tommy hired to this like beautiful black interior <laughs> Lincoln, yeah. How funny. Uh, and then we fade out on traffic speeding along the 405 freeway. Aww. Yay. Do you remember the song that's playing over the scene? It's Melt With You. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Aww. And that's Valley Girl. Yeah. It's such a good such movie. Such a good movie. <laughs> I'm so glad that we did this first. Um. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode. Holy moly. (laughs) If you liked it, please spread the word, subscribe, rate, review. Join us next week for our next episode. So the next uh, movie that we're going to do, we're going to talk about next week is going to be Teen Witch. (laughs) 
top that. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Um, it's streaming on HBO Max, DirecTV, or you can rent it on Amazon or Apple TV. Um, but as we said in the preview, we're going to be doing like extensive recaps of these movies. So if you can't rewatch them or haven't seen them in a while, don't worry. We got you. Um, also, you should join us because Shannon had never seen this movie <laughs> and watched it for the first time as an adult. And her take is amazing. <laughs> so many jaw dropping moments. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Can't wait until next week. Talk to you then. Bye. Join us each week for a new episode of So Five Minutes Ago. Check out our Instagram at So Five Minutes Ago Pod with the number five to see visuals and clips from the show. You can also get in touch with us at So Five Minutes Ago Pod at gmail.com. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Special thanks to Dave Quiggle for creating our podcast music. Talk to you all next week. Please, so five minutes ago.